Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is the bonus part of today's FYI on stunning Spain and what an amazing country it is. I know, I know it's popular to bash Spain. I do the same thing with the United States, and to bash is kind of like to insult, to put down. And why? Well, that's part of what we do. When you live somewhere, you look at the good and the bad. You should. You should be asking yourself, what makes my country awesome? And what makes my country not so awesome? In other words, what could my country improve on? And if we're doing that as a people, right, as, as a society, well, I think our country is always going to be going in the right direction. But believe me, it's really easy to look at the negative things. And when I remember when I moved here, I used to tell people, oh, Spain is awesome. And people would say, oh, yeah, but the unemployment and this and and they, they would focus on the negative. And I, I understand it. Believe me, you could look at the United States in two ways. You can say the United States is a, a major world power that, uh, you know, the industrial, you know, you can say a lot of positive things about the United States. But there's another side to the coin. And here, well, I decided since a lot of my students would say, oh, our national team stinks, la selección en su día, eh? This was before they won the World Cup. Well, I'm here to celebrate Spain. We all know the things that are wrong with Spain. And hopefully us, uh, future generations, are working on switching it up. And to switch it up is hacer un cambiazo. But one thing we are not willing to switch up is our love of festivals. We are festival goers in Spain. And I'm not just talking about music festivals like BBK or these, uh, you know, Sonic Sound. I don't even know the name of all the festivals there are here in Spain. But I'm talking about the actual festivals that are holidays, that are celebrating a saint or a certain town. The most popular one to Americans, I have to say, is the running of the bulls, which for us, that's like on everybody's bucket list. And I hate to say it, but an American gets gored. At least one American gets gored every year by a bull. So uh, it's not on my bucket list. I'll take your word for it. And I, I guarantee most Americans, if you say, do you want to go to San Fermin? They'll say, I don't know what that is. But if you say, do you want to run with the bulls? They'll be like, yes, absolutely. So it's funny. We call it the running of the bulls. It's a nine-day festival which takes place in Pamplona. There's a place that's on my bucket list. No, not during the festival. In fact, I like going to Sevilla, but not during Easter week. Even though I've been, I think it's different. You got to go and you got to see the city, not during a festival time, but in its everyday ambiance, in its everyday environment. I guess you can tell that I don't like crowds. Que no me gusta la masa de gente. It's so funny how you change in life. I used to love, I mean, I would be the first one to go to the Tomatina or any of these festivals, Fallas. And now I'm like, when is it? Okay, I'll make sure I don't go to Valencia during those dates. Now, the good thing is I've done it already. I checked it off my list, but I avoid crowds in general. But if you want to party, I mean, what do you want to do? You want to run with bulls? You're crazy? Go for it. Go for it. Just remember this, that the people in Pamplona, they train for this. They're not drinking alcohol all night. You know, they're, they're taking it very, very seriously. Just like the world's biggest food fight. Yeah, that's right. We used to have food 
food fights in school in the cafeteria, la cantina, and then the teachers would get really upset. But here, you've got the biggest food fight in the world called la tomatina. And this started in 1945 when some guy started tossing tomatoes at his friends. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Now, this is an interesting thing I didn't know. Maybe you guys are aware, but it was banned in the 1950s. And finally, they reinstated this holiday, La Tomatina, in 1957 because there was public outrage. You know, the locals, the residents of that area were like, wait, 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 you can't take away our festival. And they even uh, buried a tomato in a coffin. Enterraron un tomate en, en un ataúd. So we take our tomatoes seriously. And that's one I haven't been to, the Tomatina. But I, I think I'd be interested in going. The only thing is, I think you leave there loathing tomatoes, odiando, detestando los tomates. Sure, if they're getting smushed all over your face. Another popular festival, I said fallas before in Valencia, which is absolutely amazing with all the fires that they light. But also in Tarragona, they have the Concours de Castells Festival. And this is in October where participants build human towers. I know you guys know this, but a lot of Americans, they know about it. They just don't know what it's called. And I remember seeing images of this. I mean, every year in the United States on mainstream media, they'll show the Tomatina or they'll show the Concours de Castells or they'll show Las Fallas. But I don't think anybody can really grasp it, entenderlo del todo, until you really go and experience these festivals. Because along with each festival comes a specific wine or a specific food that's eaten during that festival. So it's not just about getting drunk and partying, but there's a lot of tradition involved. And I think that is absolutely amazing. But make no bones about it. No te equivoques. Even though we like to party and we consider ourselves party animals here in Spain, we don't take it too far. We manage to take care of ourselves and to get a good night's sleep and really work on that life balance that I think we're looking for all our lives. So it doesn't affect our lifespan, all this partying. No, 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 no. Our life expectancy here in Spain is an average of 82 years old. That's 79 for men and 85 for women. That is one of the highest life expectancies in the world. So yeah, we party, but we take care of ourselves as well. Other countries with a high life expectancy are Switzerland, Italy, and Japan. But Spain is high on that list. And speaking of party animals, I'm thinking about my buddy Rob. My buddy Rob, who loves to party, and he's also an artist, which we're going to talk about artists and athletes from Spain right after we hear from Rob. So I thought it was appropriate to put him between partying and artists, because he's a partying artist. If you haven't seen his work, it's Professional Bohemian, Pro Bow. You can follow him also as Rob Grams. He's a great friend of mine. He's from Yorkshire, from the north of England, and he's been living in Spain for a long time. And this is what he said when I asked his opinion on Spain. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm a native English speaker from Yorkshire in England, and I currently live in Madrid, Spain. 
Now, I think my favourite thing um, about Spain, the thing I love the most about Spain, without a doubt, being from England, particularly the north of England, is the weather, without any doubt. And I think the weather really, in a, in a very real sense, affects our mood. You know, is that why British people have this reputation for being miserable and grumpy all the time? And why Spanish people have this amazing reputation for being joyful, happy, relaxed people? I think maybe more than just a little bit of that reputation is earned thanks to the beautiful Spanish sun. Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Rob. And that's something that Rob said, something came to mind, to have a sunny disposition. So yeah, the weather is sunny, but the people are sunny too. And we say that a lot. To have a sunny disposition is you're cheerful, you're happy. I think the word in Spanish is risueño. That sun reflects onto our skin. And again, it makes a huge smile on our face, at least mine. There's something about the sun warming your face, even on a December morning. And I don't think I've experienced that in the United States, at least not in New York. What I'm getting at is that Spanish sun could warm any winter day. And there's that parallel that Brendan said before. He said that people here are warm. What does the sun do? It warms you. It's calido. Te calienta. So I believe there's a direct correlation between what people are like, como es la gente, and that Spanish sun. As I said, we're going to talk about some artists. Spain has produced some of the most amazing artists ever. El Greco. Velázquez. I know, it's Velázquez, but we say Velázquez. <laughs> hey, esto es un podcast en inglés, ¿no? Goya. I mean, Salvador Dali. Pablo Picasso. These are some of the greatest painters, sculptors that the world has ever seen. And I'm not even talking about musicians. That's another kind of artists. Rafael. Paco de Lucía. Oh, my God. Camarón de la Isla, Jumbo Island Shrimp. Okay, no se traduce así, Camarón de la Isla. <laughs> so Spain has given us so much as far as painting, as far as the singing arts, the performing arts, and even written. Hello, Don Quixote, Miguel de Cervantes. Come on, it's widely considered to be the world's first modern novel. Now, some people will say that there was a, something by Lady Murasaki, The Tale of Genji, which some people say was the first novel. But other people say it was Miguel de Cervantes and his book Don Quixote, which came out in 1605. At least one thing they agree on, it's the first modern novel. And don't get me started on García Lorca and all the amazing writers to come from Spain. So Spain is a place where artists thrive. And to thrive is viven de aquí, no? To thrive, they enjoy it. They live off it. They prosper, to prosper, to thrive. It's the perfect environment. Think of all the stuff that happened historically, all the different people, cultures, customs, and, well, you're going to get some inspired people. 
and not just in the arts, as far as sports is concerned. I mean, from 2008 to 2013, the Spanish national football team was named FIFA Team of the Year. I mean, that is a long time. That's a big, long winning streak. A winning streak es una racha donde ganas. So obviously a losing streak is una racha perdedora. And I know when I moved to Spain, I said, hey, do you want to go see the Spanish national team? And my friends were like, no, they never win anything. Well, in 2010, they won their first World Cup. And I will never forget the streets of Madrid. I will never forget the energy when the team came down the Gran Via. And I remember watching it. I was at a friend's hostel. He had a hostel and there was a balcony overlooking the Gran Via. And I don't think I had ever seen Spain. Spain, a festive country. I don't think I've ever seen this country so festive. It was memorable to say the least. I think it's one of those things that I'll never forget as long as I live. When we won the World Cup and the Euro Cup, I don't have to tell you the Spanish national team was not only the best in my opinion, but according to FIFA from 2008 to 2013, there was no better group of footballers in the world. And I know we're talking about football or as we call it soccer. And I know that is the king here in Spain. But don't forget about Rafa Nadal. I mean, we don't want to leave out this master or Fernando Alonso plus our hand. I mean, we have we have, I believe, in the last uh, 20 years, we've had a golden age in sports. I feel like we were just winning everything everywhere. So let me ask you this. Is there anything Spaniards are not good at? The arts, writing, singing, instruments, sports, cooking. I didn't even get into that. We're going to get into gastronomy in a little bit. You know I'm saving the best for last. Another place where we kick everybody's butt, donde le ganamos a todos, is the country with the most bars. Now, I know you would think... Ireland was the country with the most bars, I should have said, in the European Union. I don't know if it's the country with the most bars in the world. But in the European Union, Ireland is not the country with the most bars and pubs. No, no, no. That is Spain. Spain has the highest number of drinking holes. I told you the word watering holes before. Anybody want to guess how many pubs, bars, and nightclubs there are in Spain? Now, the numbers are down right now due to the, uh, I don't even want to say the word, but the last two years that we've been through. But at the time of the recording of this podcast, there are 169,063 pubs in Spain. Pubs, bars, and nightclubs. Unbelievable. We beat you, Ireland. Sorry. <laughs> Well, some of the typical drinks we'll talk about. The funny thing is the misconception that everybody drinks sangria. I don't know anybody who drinks sangria. I know a lot of people who drink tinto de verano, but I don't know anyone who drinks sangria. Do you know want to know which, which one my favorite is? Oh, man. Rebujito. Hands down. Sin lugar a duda. Rebujito. I love that stuff. 
The only thing is, after one or two, I get a little bit tipsy. Un poco piripi. But I guess that's the idea when you're down in Malaga celebrating La Feria de Malaga or you're in Seville on Easter week. I mean, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And in fact, we're going to hear from my friend Sean now, who loves Spain so much. When he settled here from San Francisco, he got married, he had two kids, and well, he's been living here and working here for so long I can't even imagine him living in the United States but he loves this country and that was one of the things he pointed out when I asked him I said well what is something that makes Spain interesting to you and I must say I agree with him let's hear what he has to say it has to do with the drinking age and what we would call forbidden fruit this is my friend Sean from San Francisco hello fans of Alberto Alberto has asked me to give a brief summary of why I like Spain. And I'll touch on one subject that I found very interesting. It was around the drinking culture. Coming from California, you're not allowed to drink until you're 21 years of age. However, in Spain, it's quite different. You're taught to drink at a younger age and control. Growing up, it was quite common to go to one bar and stay there until 1.30 and drink as much as you can because the bar closes at 2. But when I got to Spain and saw the drinking habits here, where you go to a bar, you drink a little caña, have a little plate of food, and you get up and then you walk to the next bar. It's because you have all night to do it. And this whole different change where you drink to enjoy, not drink, to destroy, really opened my eyes a lot about the Spanish culture. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I've really noticed. Enjoy. Thank you very much, Sean. Sean, he loves it here so much. As I said, I uh, he's like me. We're never looking back. Nunca miramos hacia atrás. Yeah, sure, we go visit our country. We miss our friends and families there. We even miss the country. But we're doing okay here in Spain. We are happy living here. And that's something I noticed when I was a kid as well. The drinking age. I feel like in the United States, by having such a high drinking age, 21, you made it taboo. It was forbidden fruit. So when we got alcohol, it was so much more illegal. And we felt like we were living on the edge. Whereas in Spain, I saw my friends enjoying, they would drink, but they would enjoy it responsibly. So I think that's something Spain got right. Don't make alcohol a taboo. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember it was it was 16. The drinking age was 16. So I remember having calimochos when I was 14. But again, I didn't see as much alcoholism as I see in the United States. So I feel like you guys really know how to party, how to live, how to eat, drink, do it all. But you really know how to get it done in moderation. And really, that's the key. You can do everything in this world if you do it in moderation. Now, I wish somebody would have told me this when I first discovered Spanish food, because me, 
food, Spanish food, moderation, those words don't go in the same sentence. Let's take a look at some of the food that comes from Spain. Obviously, some of the best chefs in the world are from Spain. We've got Jose Andres, Ferran, Adria. I mean, we could just do an episode on Spanish chefs. The list is endless. But some of our key ingredients that you'll find in our cuisine is olive oil. Obviously, it's the first thing that popped into my mind, having a family from Almería, from Andalucía, which is where most of the olives are produced. In fact, 44% of the world's olive oil is produced by Spain. That's more than double what Italy produces. But for some reason in the United States, we associate olive oil with the Italians. I guess they're just better at marketing. Another thing we're famous for is our wine. And I know a lot of people think Rioja, Rivera, but the white wines as well, right? The vermouths, the brandies. I mean, Spain, you really have a, a wide range of alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks. I love the liqueurs that somebody gives you after you've eaten in a restaurant. I mean, these are all homemade things. Well, sometimes you get them out of a bottle, but crema de orujo, all of this stuff, it is really a, a traditional drink and it seems like uh, there, it has a special meaning to it. You know we couldn't talk about Spain without talking about jamón. Oh man, I love this stuff. And you know what we call it in the States? Prosciutto. Yeah, why? There's the Italians again with their wonderful marketing department. So when we think of, I, I know it's not the same thing, don't crucify me here, guys, but in the United States, they don't know the difference between something that's smoked or they just know that it's that ham that comes from Europe. But a lot of times they sell it as prosciutto. And in fact, it is prosciutto. Now that's changing because now Spain is bringing jamón and exporting it all around the world. But my fear is that once people discover this amazing delicacy, we're not gonna be able to make enough. I mean, I eat probably a, a leg a week. Okay, I'm exaggerating, not that much. Another one, paella. And that's funny too, because my idea of a traditional paella is very different than the one I had when I went to Valencia. So even, you know, my ideas were misconceptions as an American slash Spanish person growing up here in the summers. Tortilla, which if you say tortilla in the United States, people are going to think about Mexican tortillas, flour tortillas. So you would have to clarify, I'm talking about a Spanish omelet with potato in it. Oh, and it seems like such a simple dish, but how hard is it to make a tortilla like your mother or your grandmother does. Virtually impossible. Ooh, I think of my grandmother a lot now when I think of gazpacho and salmorejo. Is anybody else's mouth watering right now? Maybe this is why I left the food until the end. <laughs> because I knew I would end up eating halfway through the episode. I mean, what do you want? Fresh fruit, fresh vegetables. We're the greenhouse of Europe. El invernadero de Europa, especially down in Almería. Some of the greatest tomatoes, peppers. I didn't even get into seafood. We've got seafood from the north, uh, Vigo, Galicia, you know, that area, amazing, very different than the seafood in the south. And it's all amazing. You can literally eat your way around Spain. Oh, and don't forget about churros con chocolate. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. All of these things are typical Spanish meals. But did you know that 
oranges, avocados, cacao, which is what they use to make chocolate, potatoes, and sugar. Those are all Spanish ingredients too? Not really. I don't mean that they originated from Spain. But these were ingredients that the Europeans were not familiar with until the 15th century, until Spain brought these ingredients back to Europe, and then they became popular. So technically, aside from tortilla, paella, jamón, the world, or Europe I should say, has Spain to thank for oranges, avocados, chocolate, potatoes, and sugar. Wow, some other firsts in Spain. The first stapler. Yeah, grapadora, did you know that? It was in the Basque country. It was made in the 18th century as a present for King Louis. Yeah, he was one of the French kings, King Louis. And every staple, so the stapler is the device, the staples are what go in it. Every staple was apparently engraved Engraved, that means it was carved, engraved with Louis's royal emblem. That's pretty cool, huh? It wasn't just a stapler, it was a royal stapler. I can't imagine living without staplers. I have a stapler right next to me as I record. Another thing that came from Spain, the astronaut spacesuit. Are you serious? That's right, in 1935. The mop and bucket in 1956. So the world has a lot to thank Spain for. Not just chocolate and oranges, but mops and buckets, staplers, spacesuits, the quill pen. The quill pen. Now this is the old school pen. This was invented around the 6th century in Seville in Spain. So as you can see, there are a lot of firsts. Uh, some of these I knew. I knew about the mop and bucket, but I didn't know about the stapler and I didn't know about the quill pen. You know what? I think it's time to hear from another one of my friends. This is my friend Mike. He's from North Carolina. He lives in Holland right now and he lived and worked in Spain for eight years. He's lived all over Spain, so I think he might be able to give us a really good general idea of what Spain means to him. This is my buddy Mike Morton. Let's hear from him. Hey Alberto. Um, so what do I love about Spain? Well, when I lived there um, for eight years, I did travel a lot and um, I really love the, uh, the, the, how diverse the nature is. You know, like in the south, you've got Sierra Nevada mountains, beautiful beaches to the Pyrenees in the north and the Iberic Islands. It's just the, yeah, so I love the nature. I love that Spanish attitude. They really, the, the love for living. Like they, Spanish, they say work to live and not live to work. Like often people do in America where it's just working is priority and then you live when you can. But I, so I like the Spanish contrast to that. Of course, the food, pinchos up north, pincho de tortilla, jamón serrano. And finally, being from the Sunshine State, it's Florida, um, and now I'm living in Amsterdam for so long, I really find that I often miss the sun in Spain because even in the winter, often you get these, it's cold at night, but you get really nice sunny days. And um, so yeah, que viva España. As you can see, all my friends had one thing that they said in common. 
Spain is an amazing place where people love life. A diverse place full of contrasts. And that is awesome. I am so happy to live in this amazing place. And I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of FYI.